Greetings, I'm Larry Walsh, and this is Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with industry executives, thought leaders, and influencers about the trends shaping the industry and the world around us. Distribution is one of the most important assets in the technology vendor's go-to-market portfolio. Traditionally, distributors provided warehousing and shipping, the old pick, pack, and ship model, relieving vendors of the logistical and financial burdens of operating warehouses and delivery fleets around the world. If it comes in a box, it probably passed through a distributor. Distributors are more than just warehouses, though. They provide vendors with access to thousands of partners that they couldn't manage independently. They provide credit and financing, enabling customers to acquire product and for vendors and partners to recognize revenue more quickly. They provide training, marketing, and technical support, and they act as influencers and accelerators of the sales process. Still, many are wondering what role distribution will play in the rapidly evolving channel. If vendors sell products and services, is there a need for distribution? If we fractionalize the cost of products through services, do we need distribution's credit and financing? And if the number of partners are contracting, will we still need distribution for market coverage? You know, there are many more questions, and distributors will say they are evolving to meet the changing needs of the vendors and the partners by creating services divisions, expanding their professional services capabilities, and adding more support mechanisms. And at the same time, they continue to drive sales on behalf of vendors and partners. But rather than asking distributors about the changing needs and the model evolution, we decided to ask someone who crafts distribution strategy and manages distribution relationships. And he's one of the best and the most well-known in the business, Andrew Sage, the Vice President of America's Distribution at Cisco. We invite him here to share the vendor perspective on the changing need and role of distribution. And with that, Andrew, welcome to uh, Pod2112. Thank you, Larry. It's great to talk to you today. As I mentioned in the introduction, you know, we, you know, there is, uh, there's always going to be a need for distribution, even though, but distribution is also in a transformative state. Um, why don't we start? Because you've been doing this for a while, managing channels and distribution relationships. Why don't we start from your perspective? What what is the traditional role of distribution? What would you tell somebody um, who is uninitiated in this? Uh, just put it in the context of what's going on at Cisco, and then I'll and I'll directly answer your question. Please. Um, but you know, as as you've probably seen, um, you know we're changing quickly at Cisco as a company. Uh, we have a goal of being the the chosen platform for our customers' digital transformation initiatives. And in order to do this, we've got to be super innovative on the technology side, which is something that our partners and our customers have been. Uh, really uh, counting on us for for years, and I think we've been delivering really well. We've also got to be really innovative on the business model side, and that's uh, that's newer for us, and it's newer for our partners. You know, our customers um, want to consume technology in different ways now than they did in the past, and as a result, our company's changing, and our distributors and partners are changing along with us. They still have to deliver the value that they've always delivered in the past, but they're going to need to learn to deliver it in a different way so that we meet, you know, the demands of our customers. And it's a big, you know, big scale change for Cisco. Um, we, uh, we grew our software business 24% year on year. Um, and, uh, and it's now 50%, more than 50% of our, of that software business comes from subscriptions. Uh, our recurring revenue is now 32% of our entire business, which, uh, you know, which is a very significant amount, and those indicate uh, the sort of scale of the of the uh, business model change. 
behind all of that, uh, I'm responsible for managing our distribution channels and our second tier of channel partners in the Americas. That business uh, is still and has been for many quarters the fastest growing route to market at Cisco. Uh, it's a $5 billion business in our latest fiscal year, Larry, and, and we grew that business in double digits. So uh, our distributors are part of and really a driving force in delivering a really large um, scale route to market to growth, and we're really happy with that. Um, so to your question about what we expect of distributors today, um, you know, in order to deliver that kind of uh, scale, our distributors play a really important role. They're, you know, uh, clearly um, uh, helping us to get to corners of the market and customers and partners that we couldn't get to without their help. And for years, we've had a strategy at Cisco through our distributors called Recruit, Enable, and Grow. And that's really sort of a description of the, the core value proposition as it has been um, uh, for our distributors. You know, clearly, recruiting new partners for Cisco is important. Uh, there's nothing there's nothing more exciting for us than to stand up on a stage at a large distributor conference and look out at 1,000 channel partners and know that we're only working with half of them. So you know the the idea of sort of um, selling and, and recruiting new partners is big, but I think the core of their value is the the value they create for the partners themselves. Um, they do a lot of training for us. Um, we we drive uh, through our distributors hundreds of millions of dollars in lead generation um, for our partners. They teach our partners how to do uh, marketing and demand gen. They do a lot of pre-sale support. You know, as our technology moves quickly, um, we need our distributors to be able to um, support the partners that we can't touch directly with pre-sale support. But I think the, you know, a really core to their value is this ability to build a new practice within a, a channel partner. And uh, security is an example. You know, over the last few years, our distributors have trained hundreds of new partners in Cisco Security, certified them, helped them get through the exams, helped them earn the rebates, um, and bring on the skilled people to go off and solve customer security problems. So it's that sort of core value proposition that still uh, remains really important. And you know, just to sum up the sort of value today, um, you know, we are transforming to a software company, but we will always have a, an important hardware component to our solutions. Um, we call it a hybrid uh, delivery model where we'll have great hardware plus great SaaS, um, and that's gonna go solve the customer's problem. And, and so that hardware part of the business certainly still needs the logistics and financial support that a traditional just would provide. Right. It, it, the way you describe in this, though, is it is it, 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 you make it sound like your distributors are an appendage to your go-to-market with all of your partners. Um, and there's a conventional wisdom for many out there that would that would say, well, distribution is good for the logistical support, the traditional pick, pack, and ship type of, of model, but also you know what you're describing in terms of that recruitment, that enablement, that support, is mostly driven towards the unmanaged partners, the the registered partners, the opportunistic and transactional types rather than the strategic partners. Do you see though that more has to be the distri the distributors are picking up more of that professional that professional service slack, that support, that training, that enablement as you're going through this transformation, you need to transform partners with you? Absolutely, yeah. And you know, I would I would say that certainly in that long, you know, call it the longer tail of partners, the smaller local resellers. 
distributors are everything for us there. Uh, but they do play this role of training and enablement pre-sale support, um, certainly in the mid-tier size partners as well. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's probably an interesting time to talk about where they're going to start to add sort of differentiated value and do new things as the company transforms because, you know, we're already now into a phase where not only are, are we counting on the distributors to do the things that we just talked about for that sort of mid-tier and smaller reseller, but we need our distributors to help us transform those partners' business models so that they can be successful in a world um, with more software, with subscriptions, and with the customer lifecycle approach. So there's sort of three things I would say we're doing on the transform side that you may find interesting, not the typical functions of, of a distributor. The first is helping to scale uh, our software business through this mid-tier and longer tail reseller, helping them um, as a sort of center of excellence for enterprise agreements so that we can run far more enterprise agreements than we would be able to do directly. It's a really strategic play for us as a company. And so, you know, driving a partner-led enterprise uh, agreement EA business is going to be uh, a really important role for the, the DISTIs. The second is on subscriptions and scaling subscriptions, and I, and I know you're familiar with this, but the distributors are, are uh, building marketplaces that are going to simplify the transactions um, associated with subscriptions for our resellers. It's a, it's a real challenge to, to sort of transform from a license-based business to a subscription-based business. These marketplaces play a really important role in that, and we're investing pretty aggressively to make sure that our subscriptions are available through these um, marketplaces to the partners. And then the third is to develop a lifecycle practice within our distributors. So uh, we've got a program at Cisco you may be familiar with called Lifecycle Advisor. The role of that program is to promote and reward our partners in sticking with the customer through the life cycle of their software subscription or their, uh, their uh, solution. So not only worrying about landing the deal, but also uh, driving adoption of the software, um, which ultimately uh, will create opportunities for expansion. And then when the renewal comes around, driving an automated renewal process that's much more likely to be successful because they stuck around during that adopt and expand phase. Um, the, the sort of key function in, in a lifecycle practice is this idea of customer success. And uh, we are building out distributors as lifecycle advisors in the Americas right now, um, where they can step in, where a, a smaller or mid-sized partner doesn't have that capability yet. They can step in and provide sort of lifecycle customer success as a service um, to that customer so that that partner can uh, realize the benefits of a lifecycle approach. So those are three things that are that are changing pretty quickly. And I think that the, the core value that we see our partners receiving is that this will allow them to make this pivot with us um, into this new way of, of um, transacting with our customers. All right. You know, it's, we know that distri uh, distributors are adding these capabilities. I mean, you know, if you look at some of the, the, the more common, the well-known distributors, they've developed some pretty robust services practices, some specialty practices, some professional services. Um, the question that often comes up, though, is how do you motivate a distributor to perform mm -hmm. more? What is it that you need to do, or what is Cisco doing to get the, get the distributors to deliver more, faster, better results? As you noted, um, it's a fast, 
fast-growing part of your business, represents a, a substantial chunk of Cisco's revenue. What are the motivating factors that gets the you know gets the distributors up and running every day? I think that if we continue to you know reward and compensate the distributors in the way that we have been in the past, then <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of motivation motivation for them to change. Uh, it's just like our own sales force. You know, we're we're introducing elements to our sales compensation plans and in our partner um, uh, in our partner programs we're introducing elements that reward um, selling software that reward selling subscriptions that reward the uh, activities um, related to lifecycle uh, customer management so really what we're doing if I could use a, a kind of cliched saying is we're moving the cheese from a compensation and reward standpoint so that um, more of the distributors profitability, more of the distributors' rewards are going to come from being successful in these new motions versus continuing to just drive uh, the old motion. We want to be able to do both, of course, because you know we still need to make that $5 billion um, target and we still need to continue to grow double digits through this channel. But we definitely are going to move the cheese in order to, to drive um, uh, a sort of you know committed movement to these, these new practices. Makes so, sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And, you know, but there are people out there and, and you know, what I'll say is that 2112 gets inquiries about distribution strategies all the time. And a lot of times smaller companies that are starting out. They'll say, well, how does Cisco do it? And, you know, it's, it, it, you really do set a, a high standard for others to follow. What's often a mystery, though, is what does it actually take to make it happen? Incentives is one thing. That's the, the cheese you're moving around to, to incent performance. But how much effort does it take for you and your team? What is it that you have to invest in these, relate, in these distribution relationships to make them work, to make them produce these returns that happen? Uh, without giving away too many of the shop secrets, Larry, uh, you, know, you, you just have to be committed to it. Um, you know, as a route to market, we're, we continue to invest in distribution because it continues to return the, the financial metrics we needed to as a route to market. Um, we have you know, a seasoned team, and uh, that team, I think, has been doing some, some pretty interesting things to, to not only motivate financially the, part, the distributors to move in this way, but also kind of help them along the way. Uh, for example, we're, you know, we're doing um, MOUs with our main distributors right now uh, with milestone goals, a little bit of a different approach than a traditional distribution uh, um, compensation approach, but those milestones are related to building out some of these practices so that not only are we um, putting the incentive out there, but we're being pretty descriptive about what that practice looks like and we're also co-investing to develop that practice because we need it. Um, we need to scale down into that that tier of resellers, and so um, we want to we want to um, ensure we're investing in that direction. What would you say to somebody to level their expectations on on the return on investment? How, what does it take to actually, in terms of time, to actually recognize you put an effort in, you make an investment? What does it take to get that investment back or see progress? I think it depends on what you want from the distributor. Uh, you know, we early on, I think that we were reasonably successful starting our company um, in the channel, you know, 25 years ago, because we had enough people to support the small number of partners that we worked with. And, and you know, that was how we started our company and gained momentum. But at the, you know, at a certain point, we realized that we just couldn't scale anymore to do the basics. 
um, and to do partner management. And we needed a scaling mechanism and distribution was a good opportunity, a good alternative, partially because it's a variable cost alternative. You know, so as a basic scaling mechanism, you know, that's one point at which you, you would probably say, I I'm ready now. I just can't scale with my own people to manage or recruit or train um, these partners uh, at the scale I want to. Um, you know, there are other examples where, you know, pre-scale in your company, you may be interested in using distribution because you just don't want to invest in an order management team. Um, or you you simply do not want to make the sort of you know the, the, the international investments that you need to make to get your products into Latin America or um, you know outside of your core geography. So I think it really depends on you know what you've decided you need that distributor to help you with. Um, on one in one case, you know it's a scale discussion, which means you probably um, would assume you'd need that function once you got to a certain size. And in other cases, you you know, smaller companies can get a lot of value depending on what they need. When you look forward and you have some, Cisco has some great distribution relationships, what is the one thing that you're asking distributors to think about as they're evolving their, their models and their practices? What is the thing that you think that they, they need to start thinking about um, to maintain their, their cohesion with, with companies like yours? Yeah, move, move quickly and don't fall in love with the past. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> And I think that we're all pretty aligned on that. Um, you know, if, if we don't move quickly, then we don't get to capitalize on this excitement, this, um, you know, this great opportunity that's, that's in the market. Uh, and so we're, you know, we're pushing our own company and we're pushing our partners um, to move quickly with us to make this transformation, to turn this corner. And, you know, that's kind of the core ask. And there you have it. You found another reason to appreciate the people who give products to our customers by listening to us talk about distribution here on Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest, Andrew Sage of Cisco, and I want to thank all of you for joining us on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group, a business research and strategy firm. Join us again when we talk with industry executives, thought leaders, and influencers about the market and the world around us. And don't miss a single episode of Pod 2112. Subscribe today on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's fun and it's free. For more information about the 2112 Group services, email us at info at the2112group.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Thanks again. I'm Larry Walsh. 